You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Now, this is very simply put, and it, it may sound easy. However, as we know, to be able to receive disgrace from God, we must strive to live our lives in service to him. And as we know, this can be challenging when we are faced with so many distractions in this world around us. God gives grace to those who are in need and who humbly come to him for help. God's grace provides us with the power to serve, the power to preach the gospel, and the power to endure suffering, persecution, and hardship. The concept of grace, this unmerited favour, is woven through the whole Bible. Second Timothy 1 verse 9 sheds some valuable light on this topic. Who hath saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. God's grace is the foundation upon which the gospel message is built. Without God's grace, salvation is impossible. Even before God created humanity, he knew of our need to be rescued from sin. Absolutely everything that happened between Adam's first breath and our Lord Jesus Christ's death was part of God's gracious plan to uh, to redeem humanity. So we can see that the concept of God's grace started from the very beginning of time. And there's many quotes that reflect God's grace in the Bible, but here's just some that I picked out. And I'm sure you have many more that you can think of as well. So we have Romans 3 verse 24. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And as we said earlier, through his sacrifice on the cross. Ephesians 2 verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And this so perfectly summarizes this whole subject, that grace is a gift, not something that is earned, but rather something that we can strive for, and God in his mercy can give to us. And our final quote on the screen there, Acts 20 verse 24, but I, which is Paul speaking, Do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And the quote we mentioned earlier, 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, Paul is exhorting and encouraging Timothy to not be afraid to stand up for what he believes and to not be ashamed of his beliefs. So it shows us that it's not by our works, but by God's grace that we are able to have the hope of salvation and have the hope to live forever in God's kingdom. Okay, so now we know a little bit about what the grace of God is. Let's have a look at some real life examples from the Old Testament. And these are six beautiful examples we will look at And it's such an amazing way that 
we can see that God's grace is at work in their lives. And so we'll turn this one up. If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 6, Genesis 6, verse 8 and 9. Reading from Genesis 6 to verse 8 and 9, 8 to 9. But Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Wickedness and evil were so rampant in the hearts of men that God regretted creating them. He was ready to wipe them out completely by a flood. But there was one man, just one man, who was righteous, faithful, and committed to walking with God. Noah was not a perfect man, but he was perfect in his generation. Yet God still chose to save his family from destruction, because Noah every day chose to serve God. That's grace. If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, we'll look at our second example. Genesis 12, verse 3, which is about Abraham and Sarah. And that reads, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And if you just flick over to Genesis 17, verse 17, we'll continue the story of Abraham and Sarah. Genesis 17, verse 17. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall the child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? God promised Abraham and Sarah a family here, and yet for a long time they could not conceive. They both had their many moments of doubt. Sarah and Abraham both laughed at God when he said he would give them a birth, um, a son in their old age. And Abraham also had many moments of doubts and fears, like their journey to Egypt, where he lied to Pharaoh by saying that Sarah was his sister, just to save his own skin. And the reason we are highlighting some of their most challenging moments is not necessarily to judge them, but to encourage ourselves that even though Abraham himself struggled with his weakness of the flesh, he still tried so hard every day to serve his God as best he could. And by God's grace, he remained faithful to his promise and gave them a son, Isaac. If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 50, we'll look at our next example. Genesis 50 verse 20. Genesis 50 verse 20. This is about Joseph. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. As Joseph's story unfolds, it is difficult to see God's grace in it all. He was despised by his brothers, 
sold into slavery, wrongly accused. He was left to rot in prison. But that is not all at all how Joseph saw things. He reveals his perspective in Genesis 45 verse 7, which reads, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. God here is using these difficult and trying circumstances to position Joseph as a saviour of his people. And that is a beautiful example of God's grace to his people. We'll continue looking at our fourth example. If you'll turn with me to Judges chapter 10. Judges 10 and verse 16. This is uh, just one moment in Judges where uh, that will that will look at uh, the Israelites repeatedly rebelled against God, yet He graciously restored them. So Judges ten verse sixteen, and they put away they put away the strange gods from among them and served Yahweh, and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. And it's sometimes hard to keep a track of how often. The Israelites grumbled against God. They continued to break commands. They continued to worship false idols. Repeatedly, they turned away from God. They did whatever they wanted, lost God's protection, and suffered great consequences. But sometimes they did return to God. They begged God to rescue them. And that's over and over again in the book of Judges. And sometimes there were lasting consequences for their poor decisions. But God showed more grace than was deserved over and repeatedly. Our next example, if you'll turn with me to Joshua chapter 10, or sorry, Joshua chapter 2, which is the example of Rahab. Joshua 2 verse 11 which reads and as soon as as we had heard these things our hearts did melt neither did they remain any more courage in any man because of you for Yahweh your God he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath Rahab bravely asked God to save her despite her past sins and he did Rahab is referred to as the harlot three times in scripture she was a prostitute a sinner unworthy of god's grace but somewhere along the way she had heard tales of this god of israel so when the two spies sought shelter in her home she bravely bargained for her life she confessed her belief in their god and asked for their mercy and they gave it willingly to her and all her family in fact, she dwelled with the Israelites and faithfully served God the rest of her days. Another clear example of grace. And our last one we'll look at is uh, the example of David in Psalm 51, if you'll turn there with me. Psalm 51 verse 1.
which reads, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. David lusted and stole, fornicated, lied and killed, yet God still saw his heart and loved him. David is such a great example that we can use of God's unmerited favour and love. And it's all through the book of Psalms as well, isn't it? And we, just, yeah, we know from the example of David how much he loved God. In, David, in David's heart of hearts, he never strayed from his love to God. He made some terrible decisions along the way, but haven't we all done that? But the key is that he turned from his sin and he repented and God forgave. That is another example of grace. And so as we know, there's plenty more examples of grace in the Bible. And there's plenty more examples that we could have looked at, but we'll leave that for another, time, another night. <clears throat> and so the Bible is packed with examples of humans who sin and a God who forgives and who shows grace. People like you and me who run from God and a God who pursues. People who do not deserve grace, but a God who is so willing to give it. If you have ever felt unworthy of God's grace, it's so encouraging to read through the Old Testament and discover the extent of God's incredible mercy and grace for those to, who chose to follow him. And you'll realize that no one is worthy of God's grace. Not Noah, not Abraham, not Joseph, not Moses, not the Israelites, not Rahab, not David, not me and not you. And that's what makes it grace. Grace shows us that when God answers our prayers and works in our lives, it's only through grace that we can be saved through God's good favor. When we are saved, we have victory over sin and death. But every day we still fight to resist sin and walk in a God-honoring way. Okay, so now we've learned about God's grace and how incredible it is. How do we access this? If we turn back to Romans chapter 6, we'll work through some ideas in Romans. So Romans chapter 6, in this chapter, as we know, Paul is explaining to the Roman Ecclesia the process of repentance, <coughs> baptism, and salvation. And so we'll pick up in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Okay, so what does that mean? Paul is saying that if we continue to sin, 
and show no remorse or repentance. God will not show us grace. He forbids it. So then he asks, if we are all sinners, how can we be saved? Well, the answer to that is through baptism through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what is baptism? If you turn with me to Acts 8 verse 27, we'll find out what baptism is. So Acts 8 verse 27. So this is about an Ethiopian eunuch who was sitting in his chariot reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Verse 29 reads, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And in the following verses, Philip goes on to explain to the eunuch about Jesus Christ. And as they continue their journey, they pass by some water, which, as it reads, uh, it, yeah, perhaps could have been a little creek or a lake, as it, as it states. And so... The Ethiopian eunuch said to Philip in verse 36, What doth hinder me to be baptized? And so this man had learned about Jesus Christ. He recognized himself as a sinner in need of saving by the grace of God. And verse 37 reads, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest and the eunuch answered and said i believe that jesus christ is the son of god so the, the ethiopian eunuch here chose to be baptized and so was fully immersed in water a symbol of dying and being reborn again he understood the sacrifice that jesus christ had made in saying this we need to understand that there is only one gospel. Acts 8 verse 12 states that, but when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So just the one gospel. Our Lord Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He did nothing wrong, and yet was still put to death wrongly on the cross. So three days later, God raised him from the dead to immortal life so that all of us mere sinners could be saved. Okay, so let's just, we'll take a step back and recap what we have seen so far from Romans. God will not show us grace if we first do not show repentance and choose to be baptized. To be baptized, we must first learn about Jesus Christ. His message, as we just saw, is the gospel. We need to recognize that we cannot save ourselves, but to repent, to change our ways, and be baptized just like the Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, so then, once we're baptized, can we just go back to what we were doing before and not have to worry because God will show us the grace? Well, no, that's not what Paul says back in Romans 6. So Romans 6, we'll go back to Romans 6 and verse 15. 
Romans 6 verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Paul continues to explain why we can't choose to serve ourselves instead of God. He continues to say in verse 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And then verse 17 as well, he goes on to say that we should be thankful to God that we can choose to obey him because by this, in verse 18, we are made free and have become the servants of righteousness. And by, by being servants of righteousness, we can have that access to God's grace and therefore a place in God's kingdom when Jesus Christ returns to the earth. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that gift is, the gift is the grace of God. Okay, we'll, we'll summarize that just one more time because we basically covered a lot in just a few minutes. To have access to God's grace or his favor, which as we learned at the beginning, is salvation, which is eternal life in his kingdom. It might be a bit hard to read, sorry. So firstly, we must recognize that we are sinners and no matter how hard we try we cannot do anything to save ourselves as romans 3 verse 23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god our next step is to repent to change our way of thinking and next we need to apply ourselves to all learning about Jesus Christ and the gospel, like we are doing here tonight. And once we have come to an understanding, we can then choose to be baptized because we know that this is the only way that we can be saved from our sinful nature. Once we are baptized, we then just can't do whatever we like. We made a covenant or a promise with God through baptism and so must always choose to serve him and continue to learn and always apply ourselves to his teaching through the Bible. And we know this for a fact that we'll not be able to do this perfectly. The only person who did this perfect was our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is how, and that is how he saved us, by living a perfect life. And so God had to raise him from the dead. But we can try, however, our best each day to do what is right and every time we sin to ask for forgiveness from God. It is only then that God will show us grace and this grace will be shown when his son Jesus Christ returns to earth to set up his kingdom. And we know this will happen because it says so in Acts 1 verse 11, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. We need to show that we love God and live a life like Jesus Christ. 
If you remember earlier, we spoke about the gospel, which we must learn about before we can get baptised. It said it was about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. If by grace we are accepted into the kingdom, then the gospel will be fulfilled because through Jesus Christ's sacrifice, we can be saved. So then, why do we even want this grace? What's so good about being in the kingdom? Well, just to, to end on some thoughts here tonight, I just want to end on talking about the kingdom. And I just want you all to imagine this. So imagine yourself standing in your hometown, except it's different. There's no pollution, no skyscrapers, no weeds, no animals killing their prey. There's no domestic violence, no hate, no crying, no worry for the future, wondering if you can afford the week by so many bills. There's no unjust men ruling the country, but instead you look around and you see this. You see the wolf dwelling with the lamb, the leopard lying with the kid, the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together and little children leading them. There'll be laughter in the streets, children playing happily, safely. There'll be no more sickness, no more cancer, no more saying goodbye to your loved ones. Children will still be children at 100 years old. There'll be a worldwide peace and everyone to live in harmony with each other. And now I want you to look at yourself your own body, there's no more urge to sin, no more aches and pains. You no longer feel tired. You can rise up with wings as eagles, as Isaiah states. And most importantly, you are now able to serve God perfectly, without hesitation, without distraction, and without sin. And this is just a miniature snapshot of what the grace of God has to offer us. I want to be there in that day, and I want all of you with me as well. So brethren and sisters, interested friends, it can be so, so difficult to focus on the end goal when the current world is so present in everything that we do. And for those of us who are already baptized, let's remind ourselves of the promise that we made and the commitment that we made to serve our Father in heaven. Because, as cliche as it sounds, there, is, there really is nowhere else we want to be but in God's kingdom with each other. And for those of us who are yet to be baptised, continue to asking those questions, continue to study and continue to learn and grow, so that you one day can choose to be baptised and, God willing, be shown God's grace and accepted into his kingdom to live forever. And we'll just we'll close on this quote here, Revelation 21, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away.
Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.